We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy by Duckhorn elevate your occasion. Listening to the October 2nd, 2017 College Football Show, a Rivers Radio podcast. I'm Kyle Pollock on Twitter at Kyle Pollock FF, and joining me is my co host, Jordan Hoover at jhoover9787. Jordan, how are you doing tonight? I'm good, Kyle. Um, sort of a kind of a lackluster Saturday of college football. We had a ton of blowouts that uh, we're, we're definitely going to get into here in a couple minutes. We saw some pretty dominant performances from some top end teams. Uh, I made the mistake of betting against Clemson, but I'm going on the record right now saying that I will never bet against Clemson again. They're entering, they're entering the same kind of territory that Alabama is in, has been in for a while now. It almost seems like it doesn't matter what the spread is. You just do not bet against these teams that are so deep and so talented. Clemson showed why against Virginia Tech on Saturday, and we had a couple other instances where we saw similar things. So. Uh, excited to get into it, talk about what we saw on Saturday and what we can expect in next weekend's slate. Yeah, definitely. I would say the best game of this week actually took place Friday. Um, it was a good game, came down to the wire. Washington State ended up knocking off off USC 30-27. to um, Game was at home for uh, Washington State, so wasn't a wasn't a total surprise for them. But, um, you know, the big takeaway for me this game was uh, Sam Darnold did not look good for USC. He was just 15 to 29 for 164 yards, had an interception as well. Um, 
I, I just, you know, I, I was, wasn't was surprised necessarily with the results of the game, but um, overall kind of disappointed in USC's out, output. Yeah, Sam Darnold actually did, you know, the, the high leverage damage with his legs. He ran two touchdowns, kind of a fluky 9-for-25 line, but saw a little bit of mobility. But again, it's a broken record. We keep talking about it every week. We just do not see the consistency. This obviously was a tough spot. There were a lot of things going against Arnold in this spot. It was It's a tough place to play at night. We talked about that. And USC was literally running out of offensive linemen at one point. Um, I think they had three of their starters go down in the first half. They were already down one starter before the game. So they were essentially playing... I think they might have had two or three 18-year-olds on the offensive line in that situation, and it's tough to, to ask anyone, any offense really to succeed in that situation. But, you know, for a guy that we were considering the QB1, and a lot of people still probably feel that way, I'm starting to waver a little bit. Um, this performance and sort of what Josh Rosen has been doing and the struggles we've talked about with Josh Allen – the QB1 spot for 2018 is getting a little bit muddled for me. Um, do you kind of feel the same way? Yeah, I think right now I'd, I think Rosen is my clear-cut number one for next year. Um, it's kind of him and everyone else in my mind. I think I'd probably take Lamar Jackson over Sam Darnold right now as well. Um, and then Darnold kind of swatting in at, at that three spot. And after that, um, huge drop-off. I don't know if there's a first-round type quarterback besides those three. Um, you know, Luke Falk I know some people like, but he also played in this game. I'm not overly impressed with him. Mason Rudolph has, you know, been a little inconsistent in my mind. Um, Baker Mayfield, um, there's going to be questions about his height and about the system he comes from. I like him, but I know some people probably won't see that translating to the NFL. So I think those three guys have kind of solidified themselves um, as the top three guys in the minds of most people, and I can't really see a lot happening to change that. Yeah, it's an interesting conversation to have for sure, and we, we have obviously months and months to talk about that, but Ronald Jones looked pretty good. Um, coming back off of the, the missed game last week, he had 14 for 128 and a touchdown with an 86-yard touchdown. He's he's really good. And, I mean, we know that already, and he, he kind of showed it on a limited sample size in this game. But, yeah, we, we talked about it. We previewed this game last week, and uh, I think it kind of went the way that we thought. I don't know if we both had Washington State plus the points, but I think we both were kind of in agreement that this was going to be super tough for USC if they could pull it well, out. One note I like to make, um, I, I like Tyler Rollins a lot coming out of high school for USC, and he had a big game for them, six six catches, 89 yards, um, had, a, had a long catch that he ended up reeling in. Um, I was impressed with him, glad he finally broke out. They have a couple guys from that class two years ago that I think could kind of make a, an impact for them um, down the line. Josh Matorbe as well, he, he had a catch in this game. He's a guy I like more than Vaughn's, but um, isn't seeing that playing time right now. So keep developing those playmakers, um, and after Donald leaves, I think USC will still be fine with those kind of guys. Uh, and, you know, obviously Stephen Carr, a guy who we've also talked about a lot, um, going to be taking over that backfield next year. So um, USC dropped to 14 after that, so pretty big drop for them. I can't see them pulling out the Pac-12. I think, you know, Washington, it'll be somebody from Washington that ends up winning the league. Um, I don't see anybody else really challenging either of those teams. Do you, what, about you, what do you think of those two teams?
Yeah, I think Washington's still that team, too. They're still, I'd say there's kind of like a clear top six right now who I think are competing for a national title, and I'd put Washington, at, you know, in, in that number six spot, probably. Um, the next game up, the team that I think a lot of people probably is, are going to say is number one, um, still are. Um, Alabama knocked off Ole Miss 66-3. Um, I know there was some people thinking maybe Ole Miss could pull this out again. They've had Alabama's number the past couple of years, but that just really wasn't the case. Um, Ole Miss's offense couldn't get much going against Alabama's defense. Uh, Shea Patterson posted a QBR of 7, so that's not very good. Um, Jalen Hurts looked pretty impressive in this game. Uh, I, I was impressed with the way he played. I'm not a huge fan of his, but all around he had a great game. Um, 101 rushing yards to go along with 197 passing yards and three touchdowns overall. Um, Alabama's good. We already knew that. The game didn't really change much. Um, but if this rushing attack keeps going the way it is, the SEC West keeps kind of falling off as it has been. I think we're kind of shaping up for a, a Georgia-Alabama SEC championship game, which I think might be you know one of the best of the past couple of years because Alabama hasn't had much competition from the East on that side. Yeah, I mean, Washington, I think Washington is kind of going somewhat under the radar at this point. I don't really know how that's possible, but... I feel like they're kind of the team that's not really being talked about. USC got all the hype. Now Washington State's kind of the hot team. But I think that Washington is probably still my team. But Washington State looked really good in this game, and they, they showed me a lot. I was impressed. Yeah, that's definitely the way that it's looking. And um, Alabama had five rushing touchdowns in this game. Five different players scored. It got kind of comical near the end. I didn't catch a ton of this game, but I turned it on when it was completely out of hand and Tua Tagovailoa was in late night Tua time. It's always fun because Bama just kind of blows everyone out. And then, you know, Ronnie Clark, who he might be their fifth string running back, but I'm pretty sure out of high school he was a four-star. He got five carries, 22 yards, and a touchdown. I heard on the broadcast that he had been running. He'd actually been taking snaps at tight end in practice, and he came in at one point and was – you know, scored a scored a nine-yard touchdown run, I believe. So, clearly just a mismatch. Bama at home, minus anything, kind of feels like the way to go from here on out. And, um, yeah, again, it's just such a balanced running attack. They have so many guys they can cycle in and out. And Ole Miss just didn't really have any answer. They couldn't really get much going. Jordan Wilkins did, did run for 101 yards on 12 carries uh, for Ole Miss, but that was – the lone bright spot. Um, not much not much going for Ole Miss yeah, in this so one. Yeah, the receivers didn't impress, and I, I was kind of looking for, I know I mentioned the A.J. Brown re- revenge game narrative, and he had one catch for six yards, so that didn't really turn out well. Um, SEC West is looking pretty down this year. We'll get to a couple other teams that didn't look too good this week in that division uh, a little bit later on. Um, the game of the week where game day was this week uh, was Virginia Tech versus Clemson. Uh, Virginia Tech couldn't pull off the upset at home. They lost 31-17. to um, Really a defensive-minded game. Neither new team's offense was uh, particularly impressive. Clemson just got a, a, a good amount of big plays. Um, Tavion Feaster had a 60-yard receiving touchdown, but uh, they couldn't get much going on the ground uh, between him and Travis uh, Etienne, um, you know, who we, we both have been talking about him a lot. Um, Feaster, they kind of split time again this game. Kelly Bryant was what made the offense go, had 94 rushing yards, 186 passing, passing yards, and I, I think we're, you know, I'm ready to say Bryant's legit, I'm ready to say Clemson, you know, obviously the defending national champion, but that defense is, is pretty scary. Yeah, um, I, 
you know, it's Clemson is tough for me because they're they're obviously dominant on defense. There's no questioning that at all. And Kelly Bryant has done really well stepping in without much experience under center. Um, but I'm still not a hundred percent sold on their offense. They have talent, but I you know, Virginia Tech has a good defense. It was it was in Blacksburg at night. It's always a tough place to play. And Clemson handled them, but this is something about their offense that I am not quite 100% sold on. That being said, I don't necessarily think that they're going to lose a game for the rest of the way out just because I think their defense is that good. And I think given time, Kelly Bryant will probably keep progressing as a passer. Um, it's, you know, Clemson is is just an elite team. They're they're deep, they're talented, and they're in that upper echelon with Alabama. They're ranked number two where they belong, and it's kind of looking like a collision course between those two unless we see something kind of weird and unexpected happen between now and the end of the season. Yeah, and a game like this was particularly encouraging for, uh, you know, this is very far out, but for, you know, down the line next year, two years for me with Clemson. Um, they have either, you know, depending on what site you look at, the number one or number two player in the country, and Trevor Lawrence coming in, um, who's being hailed as, you know, kind of as hyped as Josh Rosen was coming out. Um, and with the way their defense has been playing, the talent they have on offense, they're setting up to, you know, potentially be forming a dynasty down there. Um, I know they're going to lose an amount of defense to the NFL this year, but the way they've been looking, they should just be able to reload that defense and with uh, talent at all those skill positions. Clemson's definitely here to stay. Yeah, and and you know Clemson used to have jokes told about it. You know, I, I've heard on different podcasts and stuff through the years about Clemsoning, quote unquote Clemsoning. Um, you know, blowing leads, losing games you shouldn't. But um, yeah, it, it looks like they're kind of trending in the same way that Alabama has kind of formed their program, and you know, really tough, skilled on defense, and they have enough talent on offense to get it done. And the ACC, other teams in the ACC just need to, to beware because it could be many, many years before we see any kind of drop-off. Mm-hmm. Um, heading back down to the SEC West, I think we can both agree um, the Mississippi, excuse me, Mississippi State hype might have gotten a little bit out of hand. Um, yes. They lost 49-10 <laughs> to 10 to Auburn. Um, Nick Fitzgerald has not been the same player he was since they beat LSU. Um, he was 13 for 33, 157 yards, two interceptions. I uh, didn't catch any of this game. Not sure if he got benched or if he got hurt. But um, Kitane Thompson, a uh, true freshman, who I know a couple people on Twitter I saw liked him, um, came in for a bit but didn't really do much, just like the whole team did. Um, on Johnson for Auburn had three touchdowns. Uh, he also had five last week. So um, he, he's been getting a lot more work than Cameron Petway who was kind of expected to be the, the go-to back uh, in the beginning of the year, but um, not really sure what's happened there. I know he got hurt a little earlier in the year. Um, Auburn might be able to hang with Alabama. They hung with Clemson for a bit, but as we've said, they don't have a competent off- offensive line, really. Uh, if they got manhandled by Clemson, I'm sure the same thing would probably happen to, to Bama. Um, but, you know, I, I was impressed with the way that's, that they looked. Um, I like Stid- I like Stidham, like I mentioned before, and he had a good game for them. So Mississippi State, I think, is you know not a legitimate team. I think the SEC West should be pretty easy for Bama to roll through. Besides, besides Auburn, who might challenge them a little bit, but I'm not even really sure about that. Yeah, the, 
watching this game, I, I caught I caught a little bit of it, and like you said, Carry on Johnson had three touchdowns. He was actually playing with a, a bum hamstring as well. I saw in a long run in the first quarter, he kind of pulled up early. He could have easily scored a touchdown, but he was definitely not a hundred percent. So that's impressive that you know he did that and not at a hundred percent. Like you said, Stidham had a really efficient game, and this. You know, it's funny, when you look at the result of this game and you look what happened last week to Mississippi State, how bad is LSU? Like, that's, I mean, we're going to talk about, you know, obviously what happened to them this weekend, but besides what happened to them, what we're seeing happen to Mississippi State, a team that went to Baton Rouge and, and handled LSU, I mean, this is like apocalyptic worst case scenario for LSU right now it's it's hard to even describe how bad this is um but Mississippi State's offense non-existent you know we knew we talked about Auburn's or yeah Auburn's defense and and they're really talented and skilled and they showed it in this game and Auburn you know perhaps I I think that maybe I underestimated their offense a bit they exploded against Missouri last week um but Missouri is you know one of the worst teams in in Division One on defense, so I perhaps underweighted their offense, and they showed me that you know Mississippi State's defense is probably not as good as we thought, but they're still better than Missouri clearly. So I'm, I need to reevaluate Auburn at this point. Yeah, definitely. I think they're a team that um, potentially a top ten team. I, I think, um, like I was saying before, it's kind of like a, a top heavy year in terms of contenders. They're kind of in that. Um, second to third tier of teams that you know potentially fighting for a conference or division championship, um, but no, I don't think they'd really compete for a national title or anything like that. Um, one team that was supposed to compete for a national title actually just got their first win yesterday. Um, coming into the game, uh, winless Florida State was going up against undefeated Wake Forest. Didn't think we'd be saying saying that one in week five <laughs> of college football, but uh, Florida State won twenty six to nineteen, kind of eked it out. Um, Jameis Blackman hasn't been tremendous for Florida State. I think uh, if Francois, um, you know, obviously Francois will be back next year, but they, they need a another another quarterback on that roster. Um, without him, the offense has really struggled. Um, Jack Patrick had a nice game, though. Uh, 19 carries, 120 yards, and a touchdown. He had a, a nice long run of 69 yards, so that was uh, that was good to see, kind of see his speed. Um, a little surprised by that and then he also had three catches um i've mentioned that i like him before and i'm kind of happy to see him be producing um cam Akers still hasn't taken over that backfield yet um uh, like i said patrick had 19 carries Akers only had 14 um other than that wasn't totally surprised by this game florida state's a more talented team obviously so they should be winning this game but to only win by seven points um definitely still worried about florida state yeah, I think the story here is kind of what you hit on with uh, Jacquez Patrick still keeping Cam Akers at bay. I know we talked before the season how we both kind of thought Akers would eventually pull ahead, and he still might do that. But up to this point, um, I think that the way that they're doling out the carries kind of makes sense, um, sort of like a you know 60-40 split in favor of the veteran Patrick. It's, you know... He's not really doing much to get that job taken away from him. So that's something to watch, especially with Blackman under center, who had a tough one in this game. Um, and, you know, I don't know necessarily how good John Wolford and um, the Wake Forest passing game is as a whole, but they they were able to throw for 271 yards against 
a secondary, Florida State secondary that I thought was going to be one of the best in the country. I'm a little bit concerned that, you know, once once Francois went down, I think we knew that Florida State's defense would have to carry the team. And they're still, in my opinion, kind of underperforming at this point. I think that they can get better, but we've seen some weaknesses in that defense that I wasn't necessarily anticipating. So that's something I'll be watching um especially this week coming up because they have a date with uh, Miami. Mm -hmm. That should be a good game to watch. Um, Heading over to the SEC East, um, I think it's safe to say that Butch Jones will lose his job at some point in the near future. Um, Georgia knocked off Tennessee 41-0 at home. Um, Quinton Dormdy finally got benched for Tennessee. He had a 1.6 QBR, um, which is, as I said before, that's very bad. Jared uh, Guarantano came in 6 for 7, only 16 yards though, um, QBR of 3, and the guy we've talked about f- before for Georgia, the running back DeAndre Swift, had a higher QBR than both of them in this game, and he failed to complete a pass. <laughs> um, so, Tennessee's offense is bad, Tennessee's team is bad, um, John Kelly's fun to watch, other than that, Tennessee, I think, um, has a lot of rebuilding to do as a program. Um, Jake Fromm took o- has officially taken over as a starter for Georgia. Um, Jacob Eason came in late but didn't really do anything and that rushing attack is really really potent it might be the best in the SEC um, Georgia moved up to number 5 this week I think they're either the I, I might put them at number 4 um, ahead of Penn State I think they've been more impressive this year they've, they've done more just with their body of work and I really think Georgia has a shot to win the SEC yeah and one thing that I kind of noticed glancing over the box score real quick is that Elijah Holyfield a guy that hasn't played much. Pretty sure he was suspended earlier in the season. He's yet another guy in that Georgia backfield that could start for a ton of teams. And he's just, you know, vying with Swift and Michelle and Chubb for carries. They have four, they go legitimately four deep in that backfield. All could be starters on D1 teams, most D1 teams. So it's impressive. And they're all healthy. They just rotate. Nick Chubb, you know, keeping him fresh for late in the game. He's a hammer as is, but if he only has, you know, if he, if he goes into the fourth quarter with 12 carries, he's just going to dominate defenses. And like you said, Tennessee was just overmatched. Uh, John Kelly couldn't get anything going against this amazing Georgia defense. I feel kind of bad for John Kelly because we've talked about him and he's really good, but he's getting drugged down by this just heap of garbage that Tennessee is right now. And like you said, Butch Jones, he's got to go, man. Um, I I don't know how much longer it's going to happen. I don't know if there's some sort of buyout situation they have to work with, but I don't see how he's going to keep that job much longer. Yeah, um, if if Tennessee is a a pile of garbage, I'd like to hear your thoughts on uh, the next team we're previewing. LSU lost at home to Troy. (laughs) Um, 24-21. It was a little, the score makes it closer than it was. They were down um, 21-7, I believe, going into the fourth quarter. Um, Jordan Chun for Troy um, has been impressive last year. Um, He was a guy kind of on my radar as like a college fantasy guy. Um, But he had 30 carries for 191 yards on a touchdown against LSU's defense, which was supposed to be the the strong point of their team. Um, Darius Geis was out for LSU, but just because you're your best player is out doesn't mean you should be losing at home to Troy. Um, Neil Brown, Troy's coach, I think is a guy that's going to get looks definitely um, in the coming years uh, to become a, not you know, he's not going to get a huge power five job, but um, something similar to what Jeff Brown got uh, going to a place like Purdue. I could see him getting a job like that. Um, I, I don't even know what to say about LSU. 
it's just embarrassing. Um, then they've really fallen off. I think they probably made a mistake hiring Ogeron. I know they kind of panicked after they couldn't get Tom Herman, but um, I, he, this team just looks awful. Yeah, I, I don't really have... I, I can't really figure it out either. Um, like you said, Geis was out, but a team like LSU that has talent and depth you know, that obviously hurts your offense, but it shouldn't completely submarine your team. Um, I think that, you know, <laughs> what keeps sticking in my mind, and this doesn't really have too much to do with the game, but Troy, I saw somewhere on Twitter, I think Troy made, Troy got paid over $950,000 to come play this game. So they made almost a million dollars, and they went to LSU and beat LSU. So it's like the quadruple million whammy for Troy. Um... I just don't really know where LSU goes from this because, like we were saying, you know, they got beat by Mississippi State, and we thought that that might have just been because Mississippi State was good. Now we're finding out that Mississippi State might be closer to average, and that just weighs down on LSU even more. And I I just really don't know what to make of this team because there's still talent. That's That's the thing that I'm getting stuck on is there is talent on that team. The quarterback situation is not ideal. Um, it's obviously not ideal to have Geis, and they will hopefully get him back soon. But this is spiraling pretty out of control pretty quickly. Yeah, it could be a kind of season that goes off the rails. Um, I haven't looked at their upcoming schedule, but obviously they have you know Alabama and Auburn left on there. That's another two losses already, so you're already at four losses. Um, you know, can they hang with a team like Texas A&M? I don't know. So it's definitely you know couple toss-up games in there they lose that they could be looking at a you know six and six season or something even worse potentially um last game we're going to talk about um is oklahoma state they snuck out a win over texas tech um our boy james washington had another great game nine catches 127 yards and a touchdown it's like clockwork um i think he's definitely the wide receiver one for for next year for for you and i probably right yeah i mean we haven't really talked much about Cortland sutton um, kind of underwhelming a bit, and James Washington just you know keeps doing his thing every week. So that's definitely a conversation that we'll be having, um, and I think a worthwhile conversation at this point. Yeah, I had Sutton at three going into the year. Um, Equinemia, St. Brown from Notre Dame at one, and Washington at two. Um, and St. Brown has um, fallen off the face of the earth, basically. Um, that passing game has not been good at Notre Dame, but overall they've been solid, and Sutton really hasn't done much besides that big four-touchdown game he had. Um, Oklahoma State, Justice Hill carried the load for them, uh, 30 carries, which I was impressed to see, as he's a little bit of a smaller back. I think he's a guy that's pretty underrated. Um, Texas Tech has been able to hang with teams. Their defense actually looked solid for a bit of this game, considering they were playing Oklahoma State. Um, not sure if it'll be enough to, for Cliff Kingsbury to keep his job, but overall pretty impressed with Texas Tech and they they kind of uh, a middle of the pack team in the in the Big 12. And I'm curious, we don't have to go super deep into it right now, but I'm kind of curious on your thoughts on Mason Rudolph cuz I'm having a really hard time sort of figuring out where I stand on him. His numbers look great. Part of me wants to think that's a lot of James Washington's doing. And I see just when I watch him play, I see throws that do not look like NFL throws, and I'm afraid that I might be overweighting those a bit. Yeah, um, I'm kind of in the same boat as you. Obviously, his numbers have been there um, for for this will be the third year. Kind of, he he's been extremely productive, but he doesn't have the arm strength. 
Oklahoma State probably has, you know, 20 plays in their playbook. It's not like he's going through a lot of, you know, high-level concepts or anything like that. Um, and like you said, James Washington is kind of the guy making plays for him a lot, whether it's an underthrow and he bails him out and ends up taking it to the house. Um, I think at best he'd end up being my QB5 behind, you know, the three guys I mentioned before in Baker Mayfield. Um, I could see someone like Will Greer sneaking ahead of him, Daniel Jones from Duke. Um, obviously, it depends if Jones comes out. Brandon Wimbush, another guy I like. Um, you know, I don't think uh, Wimbush is a first-round quarterback, like some have said. Um, I think he's more of a third, fourth type guy. Um, I mean, if C.J. Beathard can go in the third round, then you know anything's possible. I think, um, but I'm not sold on Rudolph's NFL future particularly. Yeah, it's it's tough. I'm I'm just not completely settled on it yet, but. I feel like a lot of people kind of feel that same way. This this game was fun to watch. I actually watched a good bit of this game, and it had sort of a, you know, we talk about, like, people always say Pac-12 after dark. This was like a, you know, same kind of deal. Um, things get kind of weird in Lubbock at night, and um, the Oklahoma State kicker had a really rough night. Mason Rudolph bailed him out at the end. Um, but this was a pretty good game, and Oklahoma State bounced back uh, nicely. And, yeah, the top of the big 12 looks pretty crowded and kind of kind of looks like that collision course that we were talking about before last week mm-hmm. um, so before we get into our previews just want to take a minute to talk about my bookie um i know that jordan and i we know who's gonna win we tell you every week who's gonna win doesn't always happen but um you know i know you guys probably you, some of you might know better than us so you can lay down cash and win big today um if you join my bookie now they'll match your deposit uh, up to 100 percent you just have to use the promo code VROTOCFB. Um, so, like I've said before, I'd only recommend a service that's been good to me. Um, you know, used it a couple times, haven't always won. But um, they have in-game betting, live betting, um, very quick payouts. So it's one of the best in the business. And if you head on over to mybookie.ag today, um, use that promo code VROTOCFB, you can get that 100% bonus. Um, and one note, um, I just want to mention with this, um, if you sign up this month with the Roto CFB promo code and then you forward a copy of your sign-up confirmation to rotavizradio at gmail.com, you'll be entered into a drawing for a limited edition Rotoviz uh, athletic pullover. So if you sign up for my bookie, deposit that money, forward us that email, we'll announce the winner on a future episode. Um, this is the last chance to do that, so if you guys want to get that in, uh, send it over in the next week and you'll be good to go. Um, so with that, we're going to get into our previews for this week. Um, first game up we're going to preview is Miami traveling to Florida State. Miami's three and a half point favorites. Two teams that um, have had their seasons cut short a little bit due to um, some, you know, the hurricanes down in Florida. Um, but it's kind of be the first real test. Well, not the real test for uh, Florida State. Obviously, they've lost two games to Alabama. Um, that was a real test. But Miami's first real test, they haven't played a a very tough competition. Um, they've, they've knocked off Duke this week, but Mark Walton's been banged up a little bit. Um, he should play. Had 130 yards against Duke. I was pretty impressed by him. Um, Ron Richards is their other big play threat on offense. Uh, he had three catches for 106 yards on a touchdown against Duke. Um, I've been pretty impressed with Malik Rozier this year. Wasn't really totally sure what to make of him coming into the season. I was hoping uh, the true freshman uh, Nikosa Perry would start. Um, Obviously, Rozier ended up getting the nod, probably due to experience. He's the captain for the team. Um, but I've been pretty impressed with him, and that Miami front seven is one of the best in the nation, I'd say. 
um, and their secondary has been a lot better than I thought it would, uh, especially against Duke. Um, Florida State is pretty inconsistent. Um, I'm going to take Miami plus the points. I know they're traveling to Florida State, but I think they can finally end that um, kind of end that drought. Maybe get a bit of a rivalry back going, which would be great to see for college football. Yeah, we kind of hit on we hit on Florida State in the opening segment, uh, kind of talking about their game against Wake Forest, some of their deficiencies we touched on, and I think uh, I think that Miami matches up pretty well with Florida State. Like you said, Malik Rozier has looked good so far. Amon Richards kind of busted out last game. He's a guy that we're pretty high on. Um, he had three catches for 106 yards and a touchdown against Duke, and he was still sort of limited as well. Um, both Walton and Richards, from what I'm reading, are expected to play in this game, which is great news. And you hit on it. Miami's defense has looked really good. They gave up points to Toledo uh, the week before last, but they really improved. They looked pretty dominant against Duke last week. And we talked about James Blackman, who's still not totally rounded into form yet. He's still learning as he's going. Um, and I think that that Florida State secondary, while talented, can still be a bit exploited. And I think Amon Richards is good enough to do that. And as long as Walton Richards do play, I feel pretty confident in taking Miami um, minus three and a half on the road. So we're in agreement as usual. Uh, yes. <laughs> we're going down with the ship. Yep. Next game up, uh, Iowa State's traveling to Oklahoma. Um, touched on Baker Mayfield a little bit, this, but um, Oklahoma's at home with arguably the best quarterback in the country. Uh, you know, obviously one of the best. You can make the argument he's been the best this year. Um, with a great rushing attack led by Abdul Adams and Trey Sermon. Um, Trey Sermon, one of those freshman running backs we've been talking about. Um, one guy I do want to mention, um, another true freshman for them. Uh, he's kind of been their top receiver this year. Um, if you want to count Mark Andrews, that's a tight end. I'd say he's their top wide receiver. Uh, C.D. Lamb, he's 6'1", about 175. Um, had 131 yards against Tulane, 61 against Ohio State. Um, I, I've been impressed with him. He has been getting a lot of hype. I think he's one of the best wide receivers, freshman wide receivers in this class. Um, and he was a pretty athletic guy, too, I believe. Um, just kind of wanted to mention him. I'll let you talk about Jacob Park and his awesome hair for Iowa State, but I'm going to take Oklahoma um, pretty pretty easily with the points. Um, I know Iowa State lost to Texas, so uh, I think the Oklahoma will be able to cover that big 28 points. Yeah, Jacob Park's hair is not helping him out. It definitely didn't help him out in the last game. He was very erratic against Texas. Uh, that was a tough loss at home, 17-7, to like you said. David Montgomery, the running back for Iowa State, has really impressed me this season. He's getting some buzz. He's been getting some buzz on Twitter. Pro Football Focus has done a couple segment, um, a couple graphics on him. He's a very dangerous running back, very good running back. I think he could do damage in this game, but I just don't think that I, I don't think that Iowa State can keep up with Oklahoma. Um, Oklahoma coming off a bye, coming back home, Iowa State traveling tough spot you know awful loss and you touched on baker mayfield trey sermon abdul adams terrific running back duo oklahoma's averaging 49 points per game this season i you know 28 is it's a fairly large number for a conference game but i'm a believer in this oklahoma offense um i'm on team mayfield like we've been saying and I'm going to have to agree with you again. I'm going to take Oklahoma. I'm going to lay the 28, and um, I guess just hope that Jacob Park makes a couple of mistakes. 
Um, next SEC game we're going to talk about um, is LSU versus Florida. Uh, if you had just say Florida had had a bye this week instead of beating Vanderbilt, um, I would have thought this game would have been one of the ugliest games of the year. Um, Florida ended up scoring five offensive touchdowns though this week, which um, kind of out of nowhere for them. Um, they have they've had a lot of news recently. Um, Luke Del Rio got hurt in this game. Felipe Franks will be starting against LSU. Um, I know Tyree Cleveland got hurt. I didn't see if he came back in or not. Um, I don't know if you saw anything about that. Um, and I believe it was last week. I don't know if we mentioned it, but um, nine of their players ended up getting charged with felonies um, in, re in relation to um, that whole scandal they had at the beginning of the year, um, why, why the guys like Jordan Scarlett and Antonio Callaway were suspended. Um, they're still enrolled at Florida, but they'll be suspended indefinitely, I would say, there their um, value in, you know, Debbie Leagues and their NFL futures is, is kind of done, um, which is unfortunate because I know a lot of people like Callaway. I like Scarlett a lot. Um, but the rushing attack is really what should uh, make it make Florida go. Um, Malik Davis had 17 carries for 124 yards and two touchdowns against Vanderbilt. Um, a guy I'm not very familiar with personally. I know Michael P. Ryan and Mark Thompson. Um, those were kind of the guys I thought would take over for um, Scarlett after he got suspended, but Davis, um, past two weeks, has 38 carries, so it seems like he's kind of going to be the guy moving forward for them. Um, P. Ryan did have uh, 15 carries, all by only at 58 yards, did have three touchdowns though. Um, like we said, LSU's offense, not very fun to watch. Um, Florida's is at home, um, is favored by six and a half, especially if Darius Geis is out again this week. Um, I think I'll, uh, I would take Florida with the points. Obviously, if he plays, it's a different story. I'd probably still lean Florida. But um, just uh, a note on Geis. I know coming into the year, a lot of people had him and Barkley 1A and 1B. Um, I've kind of supplanted, uh, had have Barkley supplant him as solely the running back one, um, especially with this injury. I don't know what, what your thoughts on him are, but I haven't been overly impressed by him this year. Yeah, he's, you know... First of all, he's been injured, so that's kind of tough to evaluate, especially when he misses time. Uh, LSU's just been really, just you know, bad, and and it's kind of he's kind of getting drugged down with the ship. Um, I still think Geis is extremely talented, but I don't think there's any question that Barkley is the clear one in my opinion right now. I think um, Geis is still probably two for me. I, I haven't been able to find anything yet, again, recording on Sunday evening, so, you know, news really hasn't come out yet about the next slate of games as far as injuries, but I haven't seen if Geis is expected to play or not. His presence, in my opinion, would shift this line, um, and just a note, the line actually opened at Florida minus four and a half. It was quickly bet up to six and a half, so there was some heavy money come in on Florida, which isn't necessarily surprising, given what you know, everyone's all happened to LSU. Um, this is a game that I would not bet in real life because I have a sneaky feeling that, especially if Geist plays, I have a feeling that LSU comes out pretty hard after that loss to Troy. It's, you know, they looked super bad, but this just kind of feels like a sneaky spot where Florida's defense has given up 20 points or more in every single game, which is kind of unlike them historically over the last couple of years. You know, Luke Del Rio isn't good, but Felipe Franks, I think, still has a ways to go as well. They're still missing all those playmakers. 
this, this feels super gross, but I'm going to take LSU plus six and a half on the road. Um, it kind of goes against common sense, but, you know, sometimes that's the way to go. And I'm just hoping to catch maybe Geis probable for the game and be able to get the line where it is now. Yeah, I agree with that. I could totally see LSU coming out playing angry, especially that defense. Um, Florida's offense isn't anything special. If they come out and play angry, um, I can see them knocking off the game. And I, uh, Especially if Geis has a big game, I think that'll do a lot for him. Um, I know coming into the year, I thought looking at the Heisman odds and stuff like that, there's always this, uh, the stat that you know no one outside the top five of the Heisman Trophy, or no one inside the top five uh, Heisman Trophy yards preseason has won in the past 10 years or something like that, and I, you know, Geis was, like, number six or something like that. I'm like, oh, you know, if that holds true, I think Geis, you know, probably the best bet for the Heisman, but he really hasn't done much, uh, you know, when even when he has been healthy. Um, but if he plays, I can see this uh, being a, a good game. I'll bite one that probably won't be very fun. Probably take the under. I don't I don't know what the under is. Um, it's probably pretty low, but... Um, yeah, it's not even out yet. But depending on that, if you want to bet something on this game, I would advise betting the under, you know, assuming it's not super low. Yeah, I know the under for the Florida Vandy game was, was 40. Yeah. So um, <laughs> hopefully hopefully it's a little higher than that. They broke that one. But if uh, only 40 points are scored, not, not, my type of, not my type of game to watch. Um, I know all you guys like fantasy football. That's probably why you're listening to the show. Um, you also like college football, too. But if you love fantasy football, you guys should uh, give a new app called Draft a Try. Um, all you do is you just draft for a league for one week, and there's no management. It's like your standard snake draft, except uh, in daily fantasy form. No trades, no waiver wires. Um, they even take care of last-minute injuries for you, so it's a best ball type league. Um, the best part is drafts start for just $1, so there's draft for everyone. Um, if you come and join Draft today, you can download the app at any time, uh, or you can go to playdraft.com. And for a limited time, all new players get a free entry into a draft when you make your first deposit. Uh, if you use our promo code RVRADIO, so you can play for real money for free just for using that promo code RVRADIO. Um, like I said, search Draft in the App Store or go to playdraft.com, and you can use that promo code uh, to get a free entry. Um, we have three games left to preview this week. Um, next one is the game I'm probably most excited about, I'd say, out of all these, um, is West Virginia at TCU. <laughs> Uh, I think this could be a sneaky spot for an upset. Um, West Virginia's offense has been tremendous the past couple of games. They're averaging 57 points per game over the last three games. Uh, Will Greer is a guy who I mentioned before. Uh, I think is one of the most underrated quarterbacks in the country. Um, and Justin Crawford is one of the most dynamic running backs in the country. Um, TCU doesn't have a great defense either. Um, I know it's at home. I'm going to take West Virginia plus the points. Um, I don't necessarily trust Kenny Hill. Uh, I, I still am a little skeptical of him. TCU's number nine. It feels a little high for me, I think, in a year or two. Um, they're, they're a type of program that could end up being that high, but right now it feels like I know they knocked off Oklahoma State, but um, 12 and a half points against a West Virginia team that I think is pretty underrated, um, I think seems a little much for me. Yeah, This is a tough one for me to kind of evaluate because TCU has really surprised me up until this point. Um, they're back there. Anderson has been really impressive. I touched on him briefly in my article for um, when the Debbie breaks last week. Um, he has 422 yards on 68 carries and six touchdowns so far. He's kind of taken over that backfield. Uh, Kenny Hill has been, you know, better than I could have anticipated. He's still kind of proving me wrong. Nine touchdowns, three interceptions. 
about 73% completion percentage. Like you said, West Virginia is averaging 57 points per game in the last three, but that's against some suspect competition in East Carolina, Delaware State, and Kansas. They really haven't been tested in those three games. This is going to be their toughest test since Virginia Tech, um, a game which they lost the opening week. Twelve and a half. Um, I'm actually going to. I'm actually going to take TCU. I'm going to lay the points at home. It's it's kind of a big line, but and especially because West Virginia can't score. But I think that TCU's defense can give them some trouble. Um, and like I said, the last three games haven't been very much competition. And West Virginia is also they also gave up 34 points to a pretty pretty bad Kansas team last week or not last week but the week before coming off a bye um, so I'm going to go with the Horned Frogs uh, minus 12 and a half at home um, but this should be a pretty high scoring entertaining game so definitely one to watch yeah do you think TCU is um, a legitimate contender in the in the Big 12 or do you think it's kind of Oklahoma's conference and everybody else's to lose I at this point I it feels kind of muddled to me you know we sort of talked about it last week when TCU upset Oklahoma State I think that all three teams have a legitimate chance I would still put Oklahoma at the top with the you know they're probably the highest probability to win but that's just because I'm super high on Baker Mayfield and I think he can do you know he carries so much weight on his own um, and but TCU you know, you can make an argument that they might have the best defense of the three. Um, so it's it's kind of tough. It, it's a toss-up for me at this point. I, I would give a slight nod to Oklahoma, but I'm not counting out TCU or Oklahoma State. That The race between those three is, in my opinion, one of the most interesting things that we're going to have from now until the end of the season. Yeah, definitely. Uh, just one more uh, guy I want to shout out for TCU. Um, I know I gave the suit I am. Uh, mentioned him before as one of the top freshman wide receivers, but um, Jalen Rieger, uh, TCU's freshman wide receiver, was a star. Um, leads them in receiving already this year, and he he's a, a great athlete, a guy I really liked. Um, ran a 4-4-1 40-yard dash coming out of high school, 38-inch vertical jump, so just a guy to remember for the coming years. Um, he's a little smaller, 5'11", 183, but um, kind of fits that mold of a prototypical Big 12 wide receiver. Small, fast, uh, pretty athletic, so a guy I like for the coming years. Um, another good weekday game this week is uh, Thursday night. Louisville is traveling to North Carolina State. Um, Louisville still getting two and a half points. Um, obviously, we've talked about him a bunch. Lamar Jackson did his usual thing against Murray State. Um, but one thing to note for Louisville is that Jalen Smith is out for them uh, for for a while. He hurt his wrist. Um, Des and Des Fitzpatrick. Um, Redshirt freshman wide receiver has been playing pretty well. He played pretty well their first couple games. I was impressed by him. I know he did a touchdown against uh, Purdue that I liked a lot. Um, he has a 38% touchdown rate for them this year, um, so he'll kind of have to step up and become the guy going forward for them. Um, NC State, um, guy we've mentioned before as well, Jalen Samuels, um, touchdown in eight of his last nine games. Um, and one comparison I saw for him on Twitter, which I thought was interesting, um, I don't know if it's very accurate per se because they're, they're, I think they're kind of different players, but um, Ty Montgomery, I guess if you can kind of play him as a receiver, as a running back, as an H-back, um, kind of like that positionless type football that, um, you know, Montgomery allows the Packers to play. Um, however, um, I don't know if I trust 
NC State to knock off Louisville. This should be a close game. It's a top 25 matchup. It's at NC State, but I just can't bring myself to to bet against Lamar Jackson. I know um, Louisville's defense isn't that great, but I don't know if NC State will have that offensive firepower to keep up with them while also holding Lamar Jackson in check. So two and a half points, um, I can see Louisville winning by. It's almost a pick em, Um so I'm just going to take Louisville. I can see them winning by a field goal. So um, I'll take them, but this should be a great game to watch Thursday night. Yeah, you hit on some real key points there. Jalen Smith's absence obviously is really important. Uh, he's the leading receiver on the team. Des Fitzpatrick, who currently has a 38% touchdown rate, which is wildly unsustainable, but pretty interesting. Um, he's going to have to you know, step up and take on a larger role if Smith is again out for this game. Like you said, Jalen Samuels has a touchdown uh, rushing or receiving in eight of his last nine games and has 13 total touchdowns during that span. Just you know, wild numbers, things that we don't really see, um, especially like a, in, a, in such a versatile way. Ryan Finley has been pretty good. You know, he's not spectacular, but he has thrown nine touchdowns, has yet to throw an interception. Um, Kelvin Harmon, a guy that we talked a lot about going into the season, is kind of underwhelming a bit. He's only averaging about 11 or 12 yards per catch. Um, and, you know, this is a really – this is a tough one for me. I think that NC State's defensive line is legit – and I think that they can cause problems for Lamar Jackson. I wouldn't say that their defensive line is in the same league as Clemson's, because few are. But I could see kind of a similar thing happening um, to Lamar Jackson as we saw happen against Clemson, uh, this time on the road. Um, I really don't want to pick against Lamar Jackson because I love Lamar Jackson, but I'm actually going to take NC State plus the points at home. This is a really tough one, again, one that I wouldn't bet in real life because I think it literally could go either way because Lamar Jackson can swing an entire game by himself more than probably any other player in the country. So if he comes out bombing, you know, Louisville could win by three touchdowns. But I like NC State's defensive line. I think they can disrupt what he does in the pocket, kind of make him make mistakes. Um, so I'm going to hesitantly take NC yeah, this State. Should be, uh, I'm excited to watch this game. Um, it'll be Lamar Jackson's kind of second real challenge against the real defense, I'd say. I mean, Purdue has a decent defense, but uh, I, I wouldn't put them nearly on the same level as NC State or Clemson. Um, so I'm excited to kind of see what uh, you know his progressions and how that will uh, be against a, a good LSU, uh, not LSU, excuse me, NC State D-line. Um, the last game we're going to preview... Uh, if you thought we weren't going to talk about Bryce Love, you are sadly mistaken. You know we both love him. We're, we're not gonna we're not gonna just gloss over him. Yeah, no, I mean I I I just Bryce Love is pretty amazing. Um, he's I saw some I don't have it right in front of me, but he's like one of five running backs in college football history to hit a thousand yards in the first five games, and the other the other names were insane like Barry Sanders Herschel Walker like the who's who of the anyone who's played the position um what he's doing is historic and he's you know he's just producing like just about no other I mean if Saquon Barkley wasn't doing what he's doing Bryce Love would probably be the guy that everyone was talking about and that's not to say that Bryce Love is the same talent as Saquon Barkley because I don't think he is but 
you can't you can't just deny what he's doing because this production is insane. He went over 300 yards last week, three touchdowns. He is that whole offense. Um, and it, it's kind of curious that he's not getting any involvement in the passing game. I know that you touched on that, I think, last week when we talked about Love. Um, I don't know if that's necessarily a scheme thing or a deficiency of his. I can't imagine he can't just can't catch the ball. But I, I don't really know what's going on there. But, I mean, that's really the only knock on Love at this point. Um, Stanford's defense has not been quite up to snuff, you know, what we would expect from them so far. Um, and I wanted to touch on Darren Carrington, Utah's wide receiver, the, the transfer from Oregon who um, has been – you know, in trouble a couple times throughout his career, uh, transferred from Oregon to Utah. He's actually posted a .55 dominator rating so far this season. He has 30 receptions, 485 yards, and four touchdowns. He's been very productive for that team. Kind of picked up sort of what we thought he could do. He's looking great. Um, Utah kind of snuck by two not very good teams, BYU and Arizona. They didn't really separate. And, you know, we saw BYU lose to Utah State last week, so that's kind of a concern. Um, this is a tough one because it's hard to, it's kind of hard to pick against Bryce Love. I mean, I feel like he's going to get his numbers regardless, but this game is at Utah. I'm not sure if it's, it's a uh, night yeah, game or it's not. It's 10-15, so, um, uh, 7 oh, Utah man. time. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go Utah at home plus the points. I think that... You know, I think they can do enough on offense, and I think that their, you know, their defense is historically pretty good, especially at home. Um, and like I said, outside of Bryce Love, I just there isn't much on Stanford's offense that scares me. I think that if they can focus in on him and keep him contained, they can keep this offense contained. So I'm going to go with Utah plus six and a half. Yeah, um, I just really, I don't know if I can pick against Bryce Love. I mean, he he kept them in the he single handedly <laughs> kept them in the game against USC. Um, who I think is a superior team to, to Utah. Um, and if, you know, USC's defense couldn't keep them bottled up and San Diego State's defense, um, you know, those are probably the two best defenses they'll, they faced. Um, I don't know if I trust Utah's two, but I don't know if I trust Stanford to win by more than six and a half on the road at night. So I'm going to agree with you and take Utah with a backdoor cover, but um, don't feel great about it. Um, I think with with Love, um, he he's been more impressive than than Barkley this year. Obviously, in terms of sheer numbers, to already have a thousand yards in five games, it's just ridiculous. Um, I, I will say I think he's a better runner than Christian McCaffrey was. Obviously, McCaffrey, um, similar to Barkley, can could probably play at wide receiver as well. Um, but I don't think. Uh, Love will have enough kind of uh, team support behind him. I, I could see Stanford going eight and four this year, something like that. And you know, I know that's something that voters look at. He is the team. I think right now he's the clear second choice for Heisman. Um, I think it's a lot closer than people think. That people are saying, you know, if Saquon Barkley's got the Heisman locked up, if Bryce Love keeps, you know, averaging 200 yards a game, you know, a little over 200 yards a game like he's been averaging, um, he's He's going to have a, a historic season. I mean, obviously, he's not going to average um, 11 yards per carry for the rest of the year. If he does, he, I think he certainly deserves to win Heisman. But, um, you know, rushing for over 2,000 yards in the Pac-12 is no joke. Um, you know, 
I just did a quick number, quick calculation. If he, you know, keeps this up, this average, which I don't, I don't think is unrealistic for him to do with the number of carries he's getting, the way he's been so explosive, it's over 2,600 yards in the regular season alone. So, I mean, loves a tremendous player. Um, well, one thing I want to see if is if he uh, decides to return to school or not. I think right now, I think he should definitely come out, but I could see him getting knocked for his size, maybe even his lack of production in the past two years behind McCaffrey. I mean, he had 780 yards about last year, uh, but, you know, lack of production in the receiving game his first two years. Um, I think right now, he, he's, I'd probably put him at my running back four for this class behind uh, Barkley, Geis, and Chubb. Um, but, you know, him and Rashad Penny have really, and even John Kelly to an extent, have really moved up the board. But um, would, my question to you would be, um, where does he slot in for you for next year's running back class? And would you put him second or third in the Heisman race? Uh, would you put Mayfield ahead of him as well? Or um, a couple loaded questions. Yeah, <laughs> I would have to, I would actually have to look at my rankings. I don't have them pulled up, but he he's definitely... Um, obviously moving up shooting up the board I should say uh, I was I was too low on him coming into the season I wrote about this a couple weeks ago I think when I redid my rankings I was too low too low on love coming into the season um, he's obviously proving me wrong 2600 yards is just an astronomical number um, if you know if that pace continues I could see him winning the Heisman over Barkley um, I think that as of right now, I would put the Heisman race, Barkley, then Love, then Mayfield. Um, you know, but a lot can change between now and then. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, it's just what's 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 really impressed me as far as Bryce Love. Not only the numbers, obviously, the statistical production is insane, but he. He runs with more power, and I, I feel like I've touched on this before, but he runs with more power than you would assume for a guy that's, I believe, under 190 pounds. I think he's 188 or something. Mm-hmm. Um, he runs stronger than his size, and it's, you know, you don't necessarily... You would expect it from Barkley because of, you know, all the all the Twitter videos of him power cleaning 400 pounds, but Bryce Love is deceptively strong to go along with that speed, and he's only 20 years old. So he's doing this at a relatively young age. Which is, I, I think he's one of the youngest running back prospects in that class. So that's something else to really keep an eye on because we know how much you know. We we want we want our running backs to produce at a young age, show dominance at a young age, and Love is doing that. Um, so yeah, I mean that was a lot, I guess, on Bryce Love, but he deserves it at this point because what he's doing is historic. Mm-hmm. And right now we're gonna head on over to our upset picks. Yeah. So just wanted to say real quick that. Uh, Happily uh, nailed Utah State over BYU last week. Um, that was, you know, that that was one of the that was a weird line when we when we did the pod last week. It was Utah State plus five and a half. By the time that game came around, I believe Utah State was actually like a two point favorite. So there was a huge swing on that. Uh, so if you got that line early, that was good. Um, I'm gonna go. I know that people are pretty high on Purdue. They hung with Michigan for a while, um, but Minnesota is traveling to Purdue this week. Minnesota's getting three and a half on the road. I am going to take Minnesota outright. 
Um, I'll be honest, when I was scrolling through these games, there weren't a ton that really caught my eye. Uh, there's quite a bit of big spreads, and I'm, I'm looking for, you know, the money line won't be huge on that, but I'm looking for an outright, an outright win when I'm trying to pick these games. Another one that kind of caught my eye is SMU going to Houston. Uh, I think SMU is getting five and a half points right now. That's kind of a tricky one, but I sort of like that spot as well. Um, but I'm gonna let you, Kyle. I'm gonna let you hit hit on yours. Yeah, um, just a note of with SMU. I think they're a team in the next couple of years that could kind of get up to a San Diego State type level if they keep Chad Morris. Um, obviously, they they've you know been been doing well with Cortland Sutton. Um, they got Trey Quinn transfer over from LSU, who has also been their leading receiver this year. Has kind of been dominating that passing attack. But um, they're just a program on the rise that I think will be doing well in the next couple of years. Um, like you mentioned with big spreads, um, Maryland's traveling to Ohio State. Um, they're on their third-string quarterback. They still managed to win this week, which I was really surprised by. Um, they have a decent amount of talent on offense. Um, I think they're, uh, you know, Maryland is plus 31. I think that spread's just a little too big. Um, obviously, I think Ohio State will win probably by three touchdowns, uh, two or three touchdowns. But um, I don't think they'll win by 31, more than 31 points. So I'm going to take Maryland plus 31. Not a not a very exciting pick, but um, you know, hopefully we can get get one to win because Iowa didn't cover last week against uh, Michigan State either. So <laughs> I'm gonna hit one of these upset picks one day. I, I You'll get there. You'll get there, man. You'll get there. Yeah. Um, so that'll do it for this episode of the College Football Show. Uh, for Jordan, he's on Twitter at jhoover9787, and I'm Kyle on Twitter at kylepollockff. And thanks for tuning in. Thank you for listening to the College Football Show, a road of his radio podcast. Our executive producer is Matthew Friedman. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast.
Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. It's the sale you've been waiting for. Now through Monday, get a huge 50% off the styles you need now with 50% off all jeans, 50% off all dresses, and 50% off all tees. That's right, 50% off. Jeans start at 15 bucks for adults, 10 bucks for kids. Want fashion in a flash? Buy online and pick up in-store for free. Hurry, the sale ends Monday at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 829 to 9-2 excludes in-store clearance, jumpsuits, rompers, bubbles, active license, and men's package tees. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.